The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, this is Captain Indy Comics, and I'm your host, John Clark. We have a double interview today. Eric Wynn and Scott Berman are here to talk about their Dark Horse comic, White Savior. It's a really fun comic that took Elliot and I by surprise, so we both wanted to talk to them. Uh, what you're going to hear is a really fun interview that's got a lot of information about the comics industry and uh, their careers. However, one note... There were some really bad rainstorms in California where Eric lives, so he tends to cut in and out for a while. Uh, it's not really an audio problem as much as he disappears for a few minutes. But Scott was really great and kept the conversation rolling, and Eric comes back and has got a lot to say. So uh, we decided not to edit it out and keep the whole conversation. Well, let's get to it. So we are here with Eric Wynn, which uh, I now know how to say. And uh, how do you say how do you say your name? Is it Scott? I'm gonna go with Scott. Let's go with that. Yes. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I hope you this is, doesn't continue. Eric is, <laughs> and and by doesn't continue, by doesn't continue, I just want uh, to let the listeners know that Eric means his Wi-Fi problems and not the interview itself. <laughs> yeah. Really. But uh, Elliot and I are here talking with Eric and Scott about their new Dark Horse book, White Savior. Guys, how are you? We're doing good. Eric is definitely looking at his internet right now and making sure that uh, it's it's working. So, uh, but other than that, yeah, we're we're doing good here. Well, I I have empathy for Eric because he's out in California right now. They're getting hit pretty hard with some different weather conditions. I got, I've got my ex-girlfriends out there and I was it I her get, fault. Yes, pretty much. I got a, but uh, she, she's, she's in Santa Barbara and like all the neighborhoods around her are dealing with floods and, and, and um, not fires, but all that crazy stuff, the mudslides, all those things that they're worried about. I can only imagine what it's doing to like telephone lines and routers and stuff out on the West coast at this point. So anyway, uh, Eric and um, Scott, like as uh, uh, John said, you guys have a new, money, a new mini series from Dark Horse coming out right now called White Savior. I know. Not uh, the white guy talking about it apparently because Eric disappeared. <laughs> He'll come back. He'll be fine. We're all good. Um, the tell if can you tell us a little bit about. Um, how White Savior came about. I'm really curious as to how the partnership between you and Eric came about. So, yeah, so it's a it's a, an interesting story that Eric might be a little bit better at me than telling. He might be back here. Um, they just asked about how the story came about. So I, I'm a maniac, and I was emailing uh, artists. I wrote a script. I, I it, it wasn't White Savior. It was a completely different one. Um, and I emailed it to Eric. Um, Eric, are you here? You want to throw yeah. this part of the story out there? You know it well, I hope. <laughs> well, uh, gosh, I, I'm sorry about the uh, connection issue. I, I have no idea what's going on. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, this was like six or seven years ago. Uh, I get this email out of the blue 
And I guess I will continue it because Eric's frozen and we want to keep this bad boy going. This is um, how good a team you are. <laughs> we are basically one person at this point. Um, and uh, <laughs> Eric, uh, do we... <laughs> I don't know what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to work this out. Um, the magic of the internet, folks. Uh, Eric, does your mic work now? What if I just started the sentences and then Eric would just come in when his internet works and finish the sentences, hopefully? You should know where I'm at at the story. Eric, are you unmuted? This is awkward. I am not sure what to do here, but I'll keep on trekking. Eric, you can hear me, Eric. I'm going to text you that, Eric, you just um, pop in whenever your mic works. Uh, so let me start over. This is the magic, folks, of the Internet that we want to show you all. Um, so I emailed Eric about this other comic, and uh, he read the script. It was either the best or worst decision he ever made in his life. Uh, but I guess he found it pretty funny and, and kept in touch with me throughout the years. And um, is that and how you met? Did you did you and Eric know each other before you sent him a script, or were you just? Nope. It was it was a pure cold cold email script. Um, I may or may not have emailed a couple other artists as well, but Eric was one of the only ones dumb enough to to answer the email from a complete stranger. And luckily, he read my script. He liked it a lot, and uh, he was working, I think, on Old Man Logan or something at the time, and. Uh, he kind of said, he called me up one day and I'm like, holy shnikes, why is this psychopath talented artist giving me a call? And uh, he said, hey, I want to I work on something original. I want to work on something new. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever the hell you, you tell me to do, Eric. And so we were brainstorming um, ideas. And this is around the time uh, the movie The Great Wall with Matt Damon came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were just going back and forth and we, and we were like, wouldn't it be funny if Matt Damon's character was an idiot and uh, and instead of saving everybody, he screwed everything up. And so from that one little aside, uh, that's where kind of the idea of, of White Savior began. Yeah. And in the first issue, uh, there's just a tease of it. You get I mean, we get the flashback of who the White Savior is, but we mostly spend the first 22 pages with Todd Parker in the modern day. So yeah, so um, that's that's done. Uh, you know, the Todd is the the hero of our story. Um, the hero is an Asian American who um, time travels to feudal Japan and and has to convince everybody not to follow the white savior. And so, um, interestingly enough, uh, uh, the first book people seem to be enjoying it a lot and, and finding it very funny. And for us, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. And and uh, every every issue kind of ramps it up. Uh, to a whole nother level, we hope. Yeah, the uh, I really like the sense of humor in it. Um, it had it wasn't just making fun of the tropes of samurai movies. It seemed to be making fun of the comics medium itself, like with the first person narrative, the calling out the story beats. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh, of like '90s youth books that had that energy too. To it, things like Impulse and some of the Spider-Man books. What were your influences, uh, dialogue-wise, like writing-wise? Who were the people you were drawn to? So interestingly enough, you mentioned the the '90s uh, Spider-Man, and, and as a '90s Spider-Man 
uh, fan over here. Uh, the main character's name is Todd Parker. Yeah, reason. I was getting to that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And so a very similar kind of sense of humor there. And um, the other part, uh, we might have another appearance by Eric over here. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Let's see if the mic works. Yeah, we can like you hear me to... now? Oh, yeah, nice and yeah, loud. Sorry about that. I've changed the, I've changed the phone. Good idea. Our book is so good, and we know storytelling so well that we are actually leaving. We wanted to add more drama and more intrigue to the, the podcast itself, and that is why we don't know if Eric will, will, will be here or not. We want the viewers to be on the edge of their seats saying, what will the master Eric say next? Um, and, and, I think uh, because it's a time travel story, Eric time traveled to a point where he had good Wi-Fi. Exactly. So this is Eric That's from the it. future. <laughs> yeah, Scott, we made we made a billion dollars from this book, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, now that you're solid, we were just talking about uh, influences with Scott, and Scott was pointing out uh, the Spider-Man influences, and obviously using uh, the last name Parker. Now, uh, what were your influences coming into comics originally? Oh, you mean to this book or just comics in general? What are you, what are you talking about? Comics in general. I think like, who are the guys that really informed your art style? Oh man. Uh, I actually come from a, um, a, uh, when, when I first, when I was younger, uh, McFarlane and Rob Liefeld were my favorite. Uh, that's what got me into comics. That's what got me excited about comics when I was younger, going into a comic book store, buying multiple copies of bad copies of X-Force and Spider-Man and all that stuff. Uh, when I wanted to do art, uh, I went to design school. Uh, I graduated from a industrial design school. So my style actually comes from that sort of foundation where I'm doing more um, concept art, design, drawing type work. And uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with my first work uh, with Rick Remender way back in like 2005 or something like that. Uh, my first book was actually an image book called Strange Girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, Strange Girl was one of the first book that, uh, I'm sure you guys know Rick Remender. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we broke in about the same time and and he was doing a lot of uh, creator own at the time. And I partnered, him, partnered with him to do Strange Girl. And because that was my first full book uh, in comics, I didn't have any expectation or, or let's say, um, uh, 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 um, uh, ideas what I want to do as far as, as a look or style. I just did the book. And so for me, that was one of the times where I was so free to do whatever style that, uh, that came to me naturally. And that's how, how you see strange looks so different. Strange girl looks so different from my other works. When I, when I got work from like DC vertical and Marvel, I actually felt like I was being more restrictive of myself because I, I kept saying, well, this is the kind of work that other people want to see rather than the type of work that I was doing. And so. Uh... And so Eric was, look at that. We're one person, the way we move and weave even in and out of what each other say. Uh, and so he said, I want to bring those styles and add my own nuances and my own tiny little perfect things that nobody would notice and i love doing things especially like breaking the panels 
is one of my favorite things to do that I may or may not have talked about in other things. Yes, I am. Uh, Eric, of course, I'm, I'm <laughs> capturing your essence, hopefully. <laughs> the fact that this is going to come out as an audio podcast is going to make it just even crazier. <laughs> because you're not going to oh, see freezing yeah. and dropping oh, out. I don't even need to be making these exaggerated uh, hand gestures that I'm doing. They mean nothing, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I oh, boy. Um, there he is. Don't worry about oh, it, Eric. You're good. But, uh, oh, I, I I'm, I'm terribly Eric. sorry about this, guys. Uh, we get to yeah. see this team in action because the moment you dropped off, <laughs> Scott just picked up and finished everything. Awesome, there. awesome. Well, well, teams aren't made from both being inspired. Teams are made from getting through problems. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad he's he's able to uh, BS our way through it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to speak to what you were saying, Eric, about your 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 style and and your your artistic background. Because when I look at White Savior and I'm I'm reading it, there is a very um, uh, uh, I don't want to say uh, I don't uh, I don't want to diminish your artwork by saying it's there's a very draftsman type style to it, but there's a lot of detail, you know. There's a lot. Every every panel looks very composed with the different oh, angles, you. you know. And um, and uh, I know you say that uh, Rob Liefeld is one of your influences, but dude, you could draw feet. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna give you well, that. Well, well, back then, uh, that was before I had any. Um, I, I, I was that was before I was even critical that I wanted to be an artist. Uh, I just love the the energy that Rob and yeah. uh, McFarlane exuded, Re regardless if he's a draftman or if he can draw figures. They understood that this is comics. It's 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 uh, it's uh, imagination that that they're selling. It's it's letting um, youngsters or people who love comics um, imagine their own world, and I and I think that's why it works. X, X Force. I mean it. When I look at back at X Force, how simple it was, but it was exciting um, back then. It was, I mean, it, I mean, people lined up like crazy just to get their art autographs. And even though, um, like when McFarlane did his Spider Man and he started to write, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Even though he has his, you know, he had his critics, but uh, as a reader and a fan back then, I loved it. Uh, I was, I was not critical. Yeah, have you seen the IDW artist edition of McFarlane's Spider-Man work? No. It's intense. It's really good. You know the, the big books that IDW does where they're Oh no, I have not seen that. It's really good. The first half is amazing. The second half is Spider-Man. And uh he's done some spawn books for himself, but this is the first time IDW has done it. The amount of detail he put into those pages was was crazy. It was like some of it would never reproduce. Yeah, he, right. The thing is, though, look, look, look at look at his version of Hulk. Right. I loved it. I mean, it was it was a stylized version of Hulk that he saw that everyone uh, for me uh, related to. It's not how it's anatomically correct or anything, but it's the character of Hulk that exuded off that page that was just fantastic for people my age at the time. It was I loved it. I loved his Hulk, especially his cover where Spider-Man's punching Hulk in the stomach. That was that was awesome. It's still I, one of my favorite covers. And I can see that uh, in your in White Savior. I see that the body language is so important, well, not only you. to the composition of the pages, but I, what you're getting at with McFarlane is that the 
is that the body, the body language and the body design exudes character. And I feel that. Yeah, from, yeah. It's, all, it's all about character. And you have two very different styles between present day and, and the, the past. That actually came by just uh, um, luck. Uh, I, I initially drew the first couple pages as a sketch, uh, trying to get the idea, trying to get a, uh, a an idea of where I want to go with the book. And I showed it to Scott and he loved it. He goes, this is perfect for a uh, juxtaposition from the first uh, kind of uh, all black with sketchy black telling the story of uh, of of the initial white savior. Then we cut to uh, Todd and pre present day and it, it seemed to work. Uh, but it, it, again, it was just luck. I was just trying to find uh, our way at the beginning, at the beginning. Then Scott, did that help? Uh, did that help you inform how the characters talked and how they, how they related to each other? Or did you guys work from the script first? I, you I, uh, so we, we, we had a little bit of a Marvel method. So we, we, um, we did an outline together and we said, okay, this is what we want to happen. This, 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 and this. And we wrote like a very, very basic script. And uh, Eric was just like, dude, I, I just want to draw. And I'm like, dude, just draw it and, and we'll come together and we'll, we'll, we'll put all the words in and, and, and make it funnier. Um, and uh, so yeah, Eric drew it. And then we kind of went over his drawings and, and usually what would happen is I would uh, come up with 10, 11 jokes for the page and we would get together and, and kind of draft the story and Eric would say that joke's good that joke sucks uh, let's change this this way and um one thing that Eric never did which worried me Eric never thought a joke went too far and I would be like sometimes I would say something out loud and I'd be like oh we can never ever say that we would get canceled in in a millisecond but Eric would be like no let's go further with it and I'd be like no you're, you're crazy man you're, you're insane and so it's a really fun kind of dynamic just uh, putting them into paper. And I think it made the, the book like, I think that's one of the reasons why people, hey, people think the book is very funny. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why is because method doesn't really happen as much. It's usually, okay, a guy writes a script, he gives it to letter, 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 letters it. Letters it. Okay. So yes, there's a little little word stuff right there. But, um, but I think the reason why our book hopefully as funny as we hope it is, is because of that we, we did that. And also the first issue is comparatively less crazy than the others. Is the first issue crazy? You're damn right it is. But um, we realized that it really ramps up as each issue goes. And because of that, we wanted to put as many funny jokes and as many weird stuff uh, on the page as, as possible. Yeah, you really missed that Marvel method. I feel like like Eric, you were saying about the energy in the '90s, um, where there was still Marvel method. There was you could see the give and take, it yeah, was almost like music. It was almost like two musicians playing, where you know you toss the ball back and forth. And as as great as some comics are that have been written full script, you don't have that energy. And I feel like that's coming through in White Savior. Oh, thank like, you. It, yeah. it feels like two guys having fun and trying to outdo each other. Like in the best way of like, oh, well, you know, well, I'll write this. Well, then I'm going to draw this. And as you said, we've only read the first issue. I'm terrified to see. How, how we, we do a lot of other stuff that uh, that uh, gets it's fun to do. And it's funny uh, when you see it happen. 
but we take a little bit further than uh, than just a, a white savior book, I guess. I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Uh, I mean, just like what Scott said. I mean, chopsticks. Yeah, we're, we're going to go with chopsticks. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, if I'm not offended, I don't think other people will be offended. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> You, you you do know this is the 2023. No, we definitely. It's a funny thing because like like uh, we we started this about six seven years ago, and now it's like uh, the the where we're at in 2023. Uh, it, it's for me. I, I think it's great. It has a great selling point. I mean, but once people get understand that it's 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 a comedy book, I think they'll enjoy it. Uh, most people who, I mean, from people that the responses we have so far is that when people get open that first few pages, they understand it and it becomes a, a good read where people actually laugh out loud, uh, and understand. I'll, it, just, it's, I'll take what Eric's saying and I'm going to edit it a tiny bit. Instead of saying it's a, a good read, it's the best comic book you will ever read in your entire life. <laughs> That's the only thing I would say, say differently is. Yeah, we're not shy about saying that. I'm not. Well, I'm, I mean, I've got to give props. No, I got to give props. I mean, this this book is really very. It's got a lot of layers to it. I, I mean, um, for those who don't appreciate, I'm, I'm gonna have to go back to your your uh, your art your art style, Eric. I mean, I'm looking at a page where you know Parker is riding his bike in front of like a, a fruit truck, you know, a stand where they're selling vegetables. And my God, you drew like every individual little piece of fruit and vegetable on the cart. I'm like, uh, well, I, thank you. Did, did did Scott put that in and then you wanted to strangle him later? Or you said, no, no actually, I'm going to do uh, that. That, that's, that. That's the great thing about how we did our script is that uh, we understand where we want to go. Uh, Scott, we had all these jokes that uh, we actually had to edit out because it didn't flow as far as I had to pace the story and pace the uh, the uh, the pages for a twenty something uh, uh, page book, so we'll cut a lot of stuff out. But the the but the uh, the ideas and story and the jokes that we wanted to put in, Scott doesn't tell me what or where to draw things, and so that's what's great about this type of method. Where I wanted, I knew where I wanted to go, and I'll find that research for it, and it makes it easier that way. If Scott told me, if actually Scott in the script told me it's in front of a fruit stand i would hate it because then i would have to go look for a fruit stand and and say my god what, what the hell are you wanting me to draw this fruit stand for that's different when, when you let the artist decide where to go with it it's much it, it, the work will get done quicker and it'll be easier because it's already in your head of where you want to go and actually i'm going to give credit to the colorist for coloring all of that fruit stuff. <laughs> I, I was going to ask about the color palette because it's an unusual palette and this is such your guy's idea. How did you how did you decide who was going to letter this, who was going to color this? Was that Dark Horse saying, I'll pair you with these guys or did you, re like Eric, did you know, I know who's who wants to, who needs to color this? No, it it was just uh, who can color this? <laughs> who who can? Well, we, who would, was who was willing to color this? Or dark horse? I literally went into a Facebook group of comic book colorists and said, "Hey, we need a colorist." <laughs> and uh, and and I'm very proud of being a Jew, so we wanted to make sure that whoever we hired was cheap. 
And so we got a bunch <laughs> of people. And uh, me, I, I would, to, to save my life, I, I would never have been able to pick out a good, I, I know what's good or bad. But I wouldn't know what would fit Eric's thing. So I, I collected maybe a dozen or so of them, of the affordable ones. Uh, and by the way, our colorist should not have been affordable. It's just me and my ancestors passed down the art of negotiating um, to me. And we are giving our colorist a big bonus when this takes off. But um, yeah, Iwan, we found him on Facebook. I, I sent him to Eric. Eric's like, this guy's awesome. Why is he not charging more? And I said, shut up, Eric. We're going to go with him. <laughs> um, and he was just beyond phenomenal. And uh, and a bonus is coming, Yuan, if you're you're listening. A big bonus. Yeah, I mean, he put in he put in a lot of work, and he's very easy to work with. Which uh, that I appreciate a lot more because when you're doing your own creator own book, uh, it it means a little bit more. Uh, you're a little bit more um, uh, overview of the final product, which uh, I know that can be uh, kind of a strangle to to other um, you know other creative people. Again, I'm just I'm looking at these pages. I mean, the art has to do so much as far as grounding the story enough. Um, when you know when you go from present day to feudal Japan, and uh, I would say like present day, everything looks very um, well. Let's say realistic, maybe not so um, exaggerated. When mm -hmm. you get to feudal Japan and then in the middle of all the action and just things just go bonkers. Yeah. Um, and again, it's it, it, so much, again, there's so much that the, the artwork has to do to help make the story work. Uh, because, you know, you can have a great script, but if the art, you know, isn't able to do its thing, you know, I mean, I'm speaking as a writer, all right? <laughs> and, and everyone knows that people read comic books for the writer, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Brian Michael Bendis told me. I, I, I really believe the great ones, uh, they work well. Like, I think um, Scott and I, we work really well. Um, uh, we, there's no ego between us. There's no, uh, we we push ourselves as far as what we can do and what we shouldn't do. And, uh, uh, you know, like, like I said, uh, I don't know if I got to that point where uh, I told you guys that out of the blue, um, uh, I got that script, uh, I got, an email from Scott, you know, and I didn't know who he was. He, he was just emailing anyone, but it was because of the script of a, a the, the, how I got drunk and saved the world. The script itself, it, the, the, the writing, the characterization was so good and funny that I, that's why I wanted to work with Scott. And, and it turned out great. Um, the book itself, even though we're doing all these crazy stuff, it's the scripting and the dialogue between the characters and the supporting cast that I really enjoy. And I, and I think I hope readers will see that, will feel that as well too, that these supporting cast for Todd, uh, they really have great uh, dialogue and banter with the, each other, uh, each other that it actually um, uh, makes the book enjoyable to read. I mean, I, um, like, like I've been telling other people that uh, a lot of these scripts I've worked with before, all the dialogue has a purpose to kind of like try to get to a final mission or a final plot. But in the book that, uh, that, that, that we're doing, I think is that there's a lot of just banter out there, you know, throwing something out there that people relate to that has nothing to do with what they're doing. They're just sassing each other as well. And so, I mean, it's, it's just not, it worked 
for me, I thought it worked well, and I, I hope that comes across. Well, it reminds me of uh, that style. It reminds me very much of Justice League International, that Keith Giffen jammed in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't see much. Uh, you didn't even see it then, to be honest. That was things were getting grim and gritty, and they were they were just they were just playing around for pages, not getting to the story because they were having so much fun. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like I mean, I, I remember reading Chris Claremont's stories. And I thought those were great because he he would have other subplot dramas in there too that uh, that uh, that I enjoyed uh, as as a young reader. John, I think you've 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 we've we've I've fallen into that trap again where I try to exaggerate my position in the hopes that the guests will smack me down and go, "No, that's not." Uh, uh, I'll bring you up to speed on this one, Eric and Scott. We had Dr. That's because you don't smack you. Yeah. That's Dr. where they're guests. Really. Dr. Susanna Flores was on our show a while back, and I she wrote a book about the psychology of Wolverine. And I said to her, wow, that entire book and the, uh, the success of it never would have occurred if it weren't for me helping you write the book and introducing you to all these people and giving you all these ideas, which was an utter exaggeration of, of my position. But she went, yeah, Elliot, you're right. That's true. And I'm like, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> Eric, you're supposed to go, damn it. People want comics for the art. <laughs> uh, let me, let's throw that out there. And I mean, I, uh, you guys, you're a great team here. And I, I, you, I like how, you know, you, you speak much to the collaborative process, but what, what do you say about that now? There's this whole thing going through comics right now. I think it's ridiculous, to be honest, with um, I'm, with my earlier exaggeration, that everyone says that comics are about the writing and not so much the art. Um, I, I, I've got to hear what you guys think about that, that little thing that's well, going around. I'll, I'll say it from a, a non-artist's perspective. I think I'm, I'm better suited to answer this one. If, if comics were about the writing and, and not the art, they would be books. Uh, I think, <laughs> like, I'll be honest, I don't read books. I, I wish I did more. I read comics. I read comics because of the art and the story together. Um, but, you know, like, that, that if you wanted a, a, a thing that's just the writing, you, you'd read a book. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're just kind of both equally uh, equally as, as important, in, in my uh, opinion. It's the whole, the whole point behind them. Um, I think... Uh, I think bad art can ruin a good story. Definitely. A bad story yeah. can ruin good art. And so it's really just a, a, a good mishmash of the two that, that makes it the great. And that's why, you know, our book's the greatest comic book that, that has ever been created because of that uh, simple fact. And uh, only way any only way anybody is going to prove me wrong is if they buy it and read it and tell all their friends about it. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Yeah. I I... <laughs> I like you've got that uh, pro wrestling uh, type uh, promo style to the way you talk about it. You know, the best there is, the best there was, the best there, the best ever, there ever will be. So well, you, got, know, you gotta have some Stan Lee if you're writing comics. There, it, it, it's a solid combo. So I don't know if you noticed. You mentioned professional wrestling. The name of the town is Inoki after professional wrestling uh, professional wrestler um, Antonio Inoki. Uh, Yoshihiro is one of the characters. Yoshihiro Tajiri was a wrestler. Um, the bad guy's name is Kenzo after Kenzo Suzuki. You'll get some more characters 
in the next issue that are all named after uh, Japanese wrestlers. So yes, there's definitely that um, uh, child of, of wrestling and wrestling fan uh, in in how I talk as well. <laughs> how did um, how did you guys uh, approach Dark Horse about this? Uh, that's actually on uh, my part. Uh, I have a great working relationship with Dark Horse. Uh, I've, I've worked with them for so long. I've done Halo stuff for them. I did 20-something odd issues of X Vigilante for them. And uh, my editor, um, uh, Patrick Thorpe, he's been there forever. And uh, one day I just decided to go ahead and just send them a the, the finished first issue and say, yeah, just take a look. And uh, we didn't really expect any sort of, because at the time, we didn't know what we were going to do, whether we're going to find, we we're trying to find a publisher, but we're also thinking about doing a Kickstarter, maybe crowdsourcing it. We didn't know what we were going to do with it. So I just sent it to uh, Patrick and the next day they, um, they came back to us and said they, they, they liked it. Uh, it got up, it got even up to Mike Richards to read it. And so uh, we had a meeting with Mike Richards and there we go. And here we are. Uh, they were very supportive of it. Uh, the it entertainment was- part, of Dark Horse really wanted it. And so uh, hopefully it, it becomes a little bit more than just a comic book. So once the trade comes out, uh, they'll have something. Dark Horse has been amazing taking IP to Netflix and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, uh, who knows? There might be something with this white savior trope that they will do with it. Well, yeah, it was Elliot, really that reminds me. Oh, go, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, well, I was, was just gonna Oh, you go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say in terms of uh, entertainment properties, Elliot, you turned me on to Resident Alien, which uh, the Alan Tudyk show was a Dark Horse. Oh, that's right. That's awesome. That's an awesome one. I didn't realize there was a Dark Horse one either. Yeah, Mike and Mike Richardson's listed as a producer. So that's that's a pipeline into new media right there. And now, Scott, you go. Oh, I was just going to say it was it was just so we, we had tried pitching it to places and most of them didn't get back to us. Uh, and and it, it's not shocking they didn't get back to me, but like, I think uh, a lot of times these comic companies are so busy, they just sometimes miss them. And I, I know Eric emailed a couple that they missed, but when, when Dark Horse got a hold of it, literally the next day they offered us a deal. And so yeah. usually it's this and that and this and that, but the next day they said, Mike Richardson got it. He said it was the funniest book he's ever read, and uh, they wanted to make a deal with us. And we're like, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, right off the bat. I mean, uh, yeah, so so it was – it was, but, but we had also emailed them before, and I think it just got lost in, in their emails, we assume. Um, and that, so well, that's, not, that's Scott. That's why I said it was on me. It was yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, without a doubt, yeah. And was it always going to be four issues? Did you pitch it to Dark Horse as a four-issue series? Or did you give them the first issue and say, you know, this is the premise? I think they like to keep it at four issues and generally with their um, with their uh, creator-owned stuff. I think that's what I think that's what they said to us, right? Yeah. We actually had uh, like uh, six, seven, maybe even eight issues worth of uh, story to tell. Yeah, and so they, they told us they wanted... They, they, they told us four issues is what they almost always do now. Um, and it's understandable because I guess the way the, the way that the comic book, especially a little bit more unknown quantities like myself, um, 
sales pretty much drop after after a fourth issue. And so um, we, uh, which was, we were fine with him. We we thought, we, we for a second thought, maybe we should tell him we've got more, but we, we didn't tell him we had more um, because we thought, you know what, we could easily do this as four issues. So there's some, we have a lot of extra material that we could use in like one shots and stuff like that. But um, Dark Horse has been so phenomenal to us that we didn't even we didn't me- we didn't mention that we had more planned, but um, we realized that it actually made it a bit stronger having it as only four, and and it gives us room in the future to um, have some other stuff going on with it. Is all I'll say. <laughs> all right, so I've got to ask. Um... Matt Damon asks to play Nathan Garen in the White Savior movie. Uh, yay or nay? Great, except he wouldn't like what's going to happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he might go. Hey, uh, you know, play. We it. we don't we have no idea what's going to happen to him. I don't know. It's going to be a position that any actor wants to be. In. Like I said, we're, we're pushing it. We're we're pushing the uh, the uh, the, the whole uh, white savior. But I would I would say to Matt Damon, well, it, it depends. How much are you going to pay us for putting you in what's going to be the greatest movie of all time, based on the greatest comic of all time? That's probably that's probably what I would say right there. <laughs> you go go to him. You say, look, Matt. That, you that turn wall, down that Avatar. Wall thing, that, that, that Chinese wall thing, that ain't working. That, right, right. <laughs> no, but you say, look, dude, you passed on Avatar, okay? Don't make that mistake again. Because that's right. how you get on somebody's yeah. good side, by yeah. pointing out their earlier failures. You know? <laughs> this is another Avatar, buddy. We're talking. <laughs> that's funny that he that he turned down Avatar, you know? 10%. Then, what? what what, wasn't it that he was supposed to get like a percentage of that too? Ten percent. James Ooh. Cameron offered him ten percent of the av- of the Avatar back end. So he was going to play the Sam Worthington part? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, wow. and that would have been. And considering how many billions that movie has made now, I mean, not that Matt Damon needs the money, but you know, jeez. Um, yeah, there's always a path not taken. But well, uh, after know, after uh, FTX, he might need the money. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Ouch. I'm kidding. Oh, come on! Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> now, now we've well, talked about your guys' uh, comic influences, but since this is a comedy book, uh, let's talk a little bit about comedy. Like, what are who are the guys that you thought of when you? sat down to write this like scott who are your favorite comedians what were the kind of a style of humor you wanted this book to have so i i think uh blazing saddles is, is what a lot of people kind of compare the comedy to um back when back when spoofs were funny um you know like mel brooks and then the the airplane movies the abrams brothers i think there's a lot of that it, it's what i grew up kind of loving um and so there's a lot of that kind of comedy in there i think they started coming bad like they made all those um uh scary movie five and everything like that the first one was funny but then like they started making all those other i I can't even remember the names of them offhand but like they were all terrible and spoofs kind of died down they stopped making them and uh, i think that there's a lot of that in these um 
uh, in, in White Savior. It's a lot of like the, the things that I just grew up, grew up loving, like the Mel Brooks movies and, and stuff where you could just have, have fun watching it, but you also cared about the story. And so, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of that in, in the influence of here. And with comics, I think there's, you'll see like, a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything, a little bit of Stanley, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a bit of that Deadpool fourth wall breakage. Um, and so it's kind of a, a combo of all that in, into one perfect package right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious because I know that we like call, talk about the white savior trope. Um, Parker is, uh, you know, an Asian American who has pretty much been very assimilated into western culture um how much uh, when you guys were talking about this character and how we, he was going to be represented and how you wanted to like play i mean okay uh the joke about you know uh it just it's not just old white people who are racist it could be anybody you know you're gonna have asian racists someone's coming into this call and we're, we're having, we're having a fifth guest apparently. I'm not sure that, where that came from. We had a hard time <laughs> getting all four people on now. Now extra people are showing extra up. Extra people. Uh, so where, well, when you talk about that, uh, Eric, let's say like, well, Eric left. So I'm here again to answer the question about Asian Americans. This won't be off the call. This is the panel that needs to talk about Asian Americans. Because a lot of, well, we do, we, I mean, we do talk a lot about that. And I know, like the mainstream publishers, DC and 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 Marvel, they're like they're really pushing now um, re representation, uh, but whether it be of different uh, minorities, different races, um, different, you know, uh, the LGBTQIA plus community, um, you know, now that's like been the thing. I mean, I, 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 I'm gonna admit, I'm a little bit. Um, uh, cynical about the whole the whole bit that they're now they're coming out with the, the, the special covers and all those things. Uh, if you ask me, and I'm not trying to just blow smoke here, um, uh, something like White Savior to me seems more of a, a sincere way of addressing those those types of issues. Um, when you guys approach that, and you think about like putting together the characters and how each character addresses. The, the 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 tropes and such and you also run that risk of parody uh turning into stereotype you know so there's a balancing act that you guys have to do there can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you had with that and how you felt you had to address these things yeah and uh, i think eric might have come in and out so i'll i'll maybe address it and eric will maybe get what the question was <laughs> no, just I, came I, I, I hear you but um, the, the character of Todd is a lot of it's based off of Eric. Um, so uh, Eric, do you do you get the question they asked now that I said that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. No, so, yeah. Go go the, ahead, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with the uh, the thing with Todd is uh, uh, uh Scott. Scott and I, when we talked a lot and uh, and how we wanted to approach this, Scott will throw out all these jokes and everything. And it was me to say, okay, do we go far? Do we go too far? Or did we go not far enough? And everything that, that Todd is thinking and saying, that's exactly how, because I'm, I'm pretty much Americanized. I've been here all my life and everything. And, and all the things that uh, we throw out there, it actually, people uh, like myself will relate to. I mean, we just got off a... Uh, 
podcast like a day ago and the guy from Hawaii uh, goes, he related to it just like that because it, it is something that, uh, that uh, we've all been through. And it's, it, it, and for us, for me personally, I don't take offense to it. I just thought it was funny um, because it, it is something that, you, you know, I love McDonald's. I don't know karate. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, that for me, I, I brush off and I just find it um, uh, something I find funny rather than take offense to it. But come on, Eric, you got to be good at math. You got to at least be good at math. Well, okay, I have a degree in biological team. science, so I'm not too bad at math. Uh, <laughs> but I, Eric I is all, through college pretty easily. Eric is also laid back. He doesn't care how you say his last name. So that's so right. Getting you Eric offended is a hard hey, job. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a lot of the stuff that uh, that Scott, I mean, that Todd goes through. Uh, I, I actually relate to that. That's why I think uh, for me, it's it's it was it was fun to draw. I mean, he wears V-necks, I wear V-necks, and uh, and so or you know, and you know, his hair is spiky. My hair can be spiky sometimes too. So uh, I, you know, who who knows? Were there but, other but I'll, I'll just more of your of your question. Um, so I think that what makes our book kind of stand out is that we didn't come at it from the point of wanting to send a message that when we came up with the idea it was a it was a funny joke what yeah. if the white guy was an idiot there was no message that we wanted the message that we want is let's have a fun story let's make it action-packed let's make it freaking hysterical the funniest thing you've ever read and i think that if we do all of those things then the message will have come across much stronger um, and I think that that's what kind of, I, in my opinion, makes our book stand out from, from other things. Because to create a story, to create a good story, an entertaining, funny, action-packed story that, that, that people will get behind is incredibly difficult no matter what you're talking about. And so when, I think it's sometimes it's a little hard when, you, when you're trying to promote things like we are, like the message and everything. I think a lot of times it's hard to create a good story regardless of the message. And so because of that, I think sometimes when you when you have a story with a, a strong message like ours, it's got to be good. It, it, it's got it's got a little bit more weight on it. Um, because if the story is bad, a lot of times I think it gets blamed on the fact that, oh, they're trying to promote representation or anything. That's not why the story is bad. Representation is beyond important. The story is bad because sometimes stories are just bad. Things don't come across the way. Maybe the artist and the, and the writer aren't working well together and everything. Maybe they're focusing too much on the message and not enough on the story. And so um, the, the idea of promoting representation is beyond important. But if that's your only focus and the story isn't a focus, that's where it becomes a problem. And, and, and sometimes you just mess up in the stories and things just don't go the way you want it to. But luckily, we have the greatest book ever that does the perfect combination of adding all of those things uh, in there. Now, I'm so scared, Scott, that you're putting pressure on yourself. All four issues have been are done, right? Yeah. Yes, they are. Good. You haven't done issue three and go, this is the greatest story in the world, and now then try to figure out the <laughs> 
<laughs> no, 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 it's done. So we, it's done. So we have irrefutable uh, proof that it's the greatest, greatest thing ever written and funniest, uh, most act badass book ever. And I'm going to say, I'm going to put it out there now because this is the way the internet works. You just say it. And even though it might not be true, you repeat it enough times, it actually starts happening. Um, I do believe <laughs> Matt Damon wants to option this film, option it as a film, and he will play you know, the, the bumbling white dude that has stuff. Uh, but I'm, who would we cast as Todd Parker in White Savior? Mm. You know, uh, we're still working on that. We know that the grandpa is George Takai. That's the only one we are we are 100% yeah. has to be or the whole thing is ruined. But Well, you name dropped Todd him right in issue one. What's that? You name dropped George Takai in yeah. issue one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where you're, oh, yeah. Where you're like, this is the ancestor of George Takei. And then there's an editorial <laughs> note that said, no, he's not. Well, it's like when you did, when, uh, when Nick Fury in Ultimate, uh, um, in the Ultimate says he wants to be played by Samuel L. Jackson. So that's, yeah. you, created, you, you put that out in the universe. That's it right. Manifests, it manifests and then boom, George Takei. But Todd Parker, I mean, are we looking for an unknown here? You know, make it a beast. Man, I'm break. not sure, but you know, if, 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 if Glenn can do it, I, I wouldn't mind Glenn. Stephen, you? From so, so we talked to people who talked about turning it from Japanese into another um, potential um, Asian ethnicity. We're not sure how we feel about that. Um, <laughs> but if, if, if the message is coming across, you know, it's not up to me, the white guy, to say anything. Um, and so we'll, we'll guess we'll see what happens, I guess. Who would we cast as the waitress that keeps picking our pocket? <laughs> uh, these are these are Some all good I, Did I? Can I say that? <laughs> you already did. I don't. We don't <laughs> edit things. <laughs> a beyond. I will edit Eric's thing and say a hysterically funny uh, actress will be cast in the role, and that is what we will we will say. Who has <laughs> yeah. a big following and and everybody loves. As well, of course, will be the 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 um, actress playing Catherine O'Hara will play the young waitress over there. That's that's how we roll over here. I'm I'm looking at um, I'm looking at Neil. You know the the gym best friend works out at the gym who um, is very light in in the in the PDF that I review PDF that I got um, is very much lighter skinned for someone who's African American, which made me think (laughs) The Rock. Because you notice how the rock used to be, you know, hey, you said that nice little caramel complexion, but as he's gotten older, he's gotten lighter and lighter and lighter. If you can get the rock, he can play multiple characters. <laughs> he can he can play he can play the girl and the and the guy. You <laughs> can cast the whole movie with the rock if you want the most electrifying man at all on the team that wants to do it. It just smells like DC just tried. <laughs> It's well, still but, successful. I enjoyed the hell out of that that movie. Well, I mean, he does have that production deal with Netflix too, so you know, it could be you know, <laughs> Listen, two Mark, production deals. One, if you want, if you want to give us a call, okay? Uh, yeah. So let's manifest that now. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Matt Damon's looking at it. He's already thinking about optioning it. The Rock probably wants <laughs> to jump in on this. Um, and then you know, we're looking for you know a hot funny young actress <laughs> to play the waitress. Who um, isn't? 
So uh, moving forward <laughs> with this, I mean, what are what besides being the greatest book of all time, and I'm and mining is going to lead to a movie that's going to make Avatar type numbers. All right, without a doubt, um, without you know, the Avatar cost, without yeah, that's that's the whole point, right? Bringing that's it down margin. That's what yeah, right. Uh, what are your hopes um, with this partnership that you two have right now? Oh, um, man, uh, we make such a great team that I, I hope that uh, once once it gets out there and once more editorial reads it and they see how good the characterizations are. I mean, we already I mean, we already have a Deadpool script that I think is fantastic. Uh, I've always wanted to do Deadpool, but I think I think the way uh, Scott does the humor, it's just perfect for Deadpool. Um, I mean, but uh, just in general, I mean, the way Scott can characterize um, characters that have been too serious, I, I think he can put a, a, a different uh, relative spin on on characters that we've been reading about all this time that we're kind of kind of maybe can be bored of, I think. Um, but I think I think we can put a little bit more uh daily drama in in the lives of comics i guess or comic characters uh again uh the manifestation the fates are talking something about a uh deadpool wolverine jordan white for if the you're, movie if you're, when it comes if you out read the comic yeah. we're open yeah so like you know i think uh ryan yeah the uh it's gonna be a four issue mini that leads into the new movie you might might be asked to like deal with that you know, it might happen. You you never know. Um, there's also hey and, and hey, we're we're not uh, we love Marvel. Marvel's awesome. DC, you're allowed to call us too. We've got my my dream book. One of my dream books is uh, I think me and Eric could update uh, this character called the Heckler. Very very known character. Um, and I we've uh, we may already have a, a script for that one too. That's the uh, that's the great thing about um never having produced anything until you're 40 is you've let these ideas marinate in your head and maybe you've already <laughs> written a bunch of stuff because you're bored. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're just waiting for a couple of phone calls and, and we're going to see what's, uh, what's going to happen here. That's but if, but if we're asking for stuff right now, let, let me, let me get this off my chest yeah. weekend. Come on, man. I, 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 I did your book. I got some original <laughs> art to sell you. Get your, get your people. Call me. When did this podcast become a mood board? <laughs> <laughs> Look, because here's the thing. When it happens, we can say it started here. That's and right. This well, is apparently the you were yeah. <laughs> I mean, name any other podcast that helps launch things like this. The manifesting of, of great things. Here. Here. <laughs> well, in the here and now, White Savior uh, is, has the first issue hit stands. Wednesday, January 18th, White City Comic Day, right there. There you go. And it's a monthly? Yeah, four, four, four issues, issues monthly. Four issues monthly. Mm -hmm. Great. So, uh, yeah, you guys, when this comes out, you'll have two days to get to your comic book store, and which is usually fine, but January in Chicago, you should probably leave now. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be four degrees by the time you get there. You're not going to go out for a subway? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
don't even. I I, I want to. I try working from home as much as possible out here. <laughs> and uh, if guy, if uh, folks who listen to the podcast want to see more of your work, learn more about you, what are your socials and where people can follow you and check in with y'all? Uh, first off, our IG is white. Uh, what's our IG there, Scott? White Savior Comic on Instagram. This is how terrible Eric and I are with social media. Eric's not even sure what the thing is. But yes, <laughs> at White Savior Comic at, at Instagram. Uh, I think someone's creating a TikTok for us. I don't know what the hell that is even. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, Eric, you're what? Um, at? Well, you know, TikTok, you know, uh, Z was part of, uh, part of the deal. What's? <laughs> Come on, Scott. So, President Z, he wants he he wants to fund White Savior. Wait, who are you talking about? I uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Is this a TikTok thing that I'm I'm awful with. Oh my goodness. A- anyway, you can find my my artwork at uh, at Eric Wynn Art. That's my Instagram handle. At it's, it's the same thing as for my Twitter handle as well. Um, and where can, um, like, again, when Matt Damon wants to option the film, anywhere he should, he should, would you want us to be your intermediaries? I mean, I'd be happy to, you know, just talk to Matt and say, Hey, Hey, slow down. You know, there's a comp, there's a bidding war happening right now between you and Tom Cruise. (laughs) I'm not letting you talk to Matt when you open with you screwed up on avatar. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, come on, it's the truth. I mean, let's be honest. You know, what's 10% of 3 billion? I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> that would have been wow. That's like having the power, the winning Powerball ticket and losing it. Right, like, right. Which or handing it to I gotta check my my numbers. Um, bought some bought some tickets today. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Manifesting. Manifest it. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. And that issue will be out in days. Hey, thank you guys. A very enjoyable, very, uh, uh, very enjoyable uh, podcast. Thank you. We, we had so much fun watching you come and go to it, Eric. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> the worst. I'm the worst guest, man. It's, I, I can't understand. I can, man, it's California. Come on. Our thanks to Eric and Scott for stopping by and telling us all about White Savior. You can find the first issue on stands January 18th. That's just two days from when this episode comes out, if you're listening to it on Martin Luther King Day. And you can follow me at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinatedcomics for all the news that's fit to geek. And don't forget, if you want to see our video streaming podcast, The MCU Review, where we cover one MCU movie every episode, we just finished Infinity War. We'll be moving on to Ant-Man and the Wasp very, very soon. You can find that on Facebook and on YouTube and anywhere you can find video podcasts. They also come out as audio podcasts the week after they air. And don't forget, you can also see our new video podcast, Top Men, an Indiana Jones podcast. Very excited about this. Not only is Raiders my favorite movie ever made, and I always want to talk about it, but we've got great guests lined up, and we can't wait to bring that to you. But either way, you can listen to this show next week.